I don't know why he's blocking me though, fellas. I'm being totally honest with you. <laughs> I don't know what. I, when did you find what out? What could I mean? Because one day I wanted to see one of his tweets. Like I think, because I wasn't following somebody. Somehow I knew there was something special. Maybe I saw somebody <laughs> quote his tweet in an article or something. Yeah. And I just wanted to go see the tweet. Did it click click tweets? Uh, There's this something user, you did. No. no, no. Did you? What you could did I, something what to could, get blocked. What could I have done? Literally, you said something Damn. to him. But we literally spent eight wait, hours wait, wait, today wait, arguing. Yes, but, over some but, randomness. But what, yes. But what can I say to Matthew Barry <laughs> that'll make him be like? That'll make him be like. <laughs> you said something. I gotta block this dude. But like, why would he just randomly block you? The thing is, I don't talk to celebrities on on Twitter. Like, I just don't. I feel, I feel like, like you maybe maybe you tweeted something out. Maybe I tweeted him. something. I quote tweeted and I was like, man, look at this. Like, maybe I said something like this player sucks or something. I mean, I'm not gonna say something about Matthew something Barry. Disrespectful. I don't think it was disrespectful. I wouldn't say you, nothing about him, though. Why don't you take his time right now to apologize to, to Matthew? No. Perry. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will appointments. Give a fuck about your feelings. Rub it in. This your ointment can't depend on the oink. Find your Welcome to First to 15, the only podcast that's trying to get you paid. I'm here with two-time FFPC champion AB. Alongside him is our dynasty guru, Dio the Machine. Guys, I want to talk about news first. Let's talk about Devontae Smith out two to three weeks with the Eagles. Receiving core that's already thin, is that relevant or irrelevant? Oh, it's uh, absolutely relevant. Uh, you have a young quarterback. You have a rookie wide receiver, albeit from Alabama, uh, you know, uh, exceptionally skilled. Uh, he seems to be the, uh, uh, quite the professional from what we're hearing from camp. But you can't make up for lost practice reps, yeah. especially on a new team, learning a new system. So it's going to hurt to some degree. There's only so many weeks uh, in training camp. Uh, but he was going fairly high to begin with. You know, I think a lot of us have this idea that we're going to catch the next Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely drafted him in the late seventh round, eighth round. But, you know, maybe we were drafting him too high. So hopefully this depresses his ADP where you can get him at a, uh, at, at a better value, maybe where he should be going. Uh, but this also opens the door for other players. I think everybody bring, you know, starts to think about Jalen Reger. I actually mm. think it opens the door for more of a guy like Fulgham, who's been completely forgotten. I actually think he's the guy who probably would see you know, an uptick in targets uh, with uh, you know, Devontae Smith missing a few weeks of training camp. Now, it sounds like it's a grade one, uh, so he should be back you know, by week one, but you never really know with these things. Uh, you definitely have to be cautious. I'm not drafting him. Uh, as a starter, I would, you know, at this point, just be drafting him as a backup. Uh, and it's going to have a trickle-down effect because, again, you have this young quarterback who's getting reps with a lot of other receivers mm-hmm. and a lot of other receiving options, such as tight ends and running backs. We're already hearing that he's doing the, you know, um, uh, a, a fairly decent job of hitting his running backs out of the backfield. We're hearing talks of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. Uh, and we're also hearing that, I hate to say it, he's developing a rapport with both of his tight ends, uh, mm-hmm. especially, you know, Zach Ertz. Please get traded. Please get traded. Right, right. But so, yeah, so I think, I think, it, I think it, you know, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Well, Devontae Smith isn't the only receiver who's injured, who's out, missing uh, time in camp. 
Amari Cooper is also sidelined right now. Looks like he got his ankle uh, surgery, just a minor cleanup in January, but it's still out right now. Uh, Dio, is that relevant or irrelevant for this supposedly loaded Cowboys team? It's relevant, of course. I mean, an injury, like we discussed about last week, you know, with these injuries, especially when they have these kind of ambiguous timelines as far as when they're going to return, it starts to make you wonder, you know, number one, if he's going to be back in time for the season opener. And number two, when he does come back, is he going to be, you know, at full strength? Is he, is he going to be somebody that's effective or is he going to still be kind of working his way back? All those things are really, you know, unknowns at this moment. Um, I think the way people are drafting him now, they, they are drafting him closer to his ceiling than his floor, um, mm. the back end third, early fourth. So people are optimistic, or they were at least drafting him optimistically. Mm-hmm. Um, now, <clears throat> I think once this news c- kind of becomes a little bit more mainstream, because I'm not sure it's there yet, once it becomes a little bit more mainstream, once they start seeing he's not playing in these preseason games or he's not practicing closer to the beginning of the season, I think his ADP is going to start to tank. Mm. Um, maybe not tank, but definitely go down a round or so when you look at the other wide receivers going there. Um, so definitely it's relevant. I'm not touching Amari Cooper because this is an injury that goes back to last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would have thought after all this time, it is, you know, it's had enough time to heal and he's ready to kind of get back to doing what he's doing. We're already hearing about how C.D. Lamb is like going crazy at camp. You know, Hard Knocks is there too. Yeah. Once Hard Knocks starts showing all this, Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb is probably going to even shoot up higher in the in the boards, and with no Amari Cooper, he's going to probably go even lower. Um, so definitely, it's relevant. But but one quote I did want to say before we move on, I, I going back to what Abby was just saying, I, I like Devontae Smith still, um, hmm. and there's a few reasons. Um, again, we, we they do expect him to be back soon. Again, like I just said, timelines can be ambiguous, but at least we they have a feeling it's not going to be a long term injury. So I'm not really concerned too much as far as him being ready for the the season. But the reason I do like him is, number one, he kind of already has the rapport with Jalen Hurts. They went to college together for for a couple years. Um, Jalen Hurts, one of the first people we talked to when he was drafted. Uh, We heard all offseason they were kind of practicing together. Um, So the rapport is there. And then number two, as far as the the reports when he was was practicing, they said he was running his routes pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. He was impressing a lot of people. Regardless of what people say as far as opinion, they did mention one thing that stuck out to me, and they said every receiver drill, he was the first one in line. It's like he's already taken the mantle as being the leader in that receiver room. Um, you look at the other options, Rieger, I mean, high draft pick, but eh, you know, Fulgham. I like Fulgham, but last year he, he let Alshon Jeffrey come back and kind of have the coaches kind of put him on the bench and not play him as much. And then you have these other tight ends, but as far as field stretcher, that's Devontae Smith. So me, so before this injury, I was seeing him going back in six, maybe even mid-six, early seventh. Now I, I, I recently drafted him back in seventh. Um, maybe I could have waited. He could have went to the, the early eighth. But I wasn't going to risk it too much because I feel like I'm already kind of getting him at a, a slight like discount. That's a good and, and at the end of the day, he is going to be the number one wide receiver for a team that's probably going to have to play you know, high-scoring games. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that has that style where he can have these blow-up games, you know, so. And he can be a possession receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, you said something that I've seen a lot on Twitter lately, which is paying attention to who's first in position drills. To me, that sort of seems like a situation as, like, 
all right, like the kid who's, you know, sitting on the first row at class is the smartest kid in class. It's like, no, like, just because he takes the mantle of going through the drills first doesn't necessarily with that, mean... With that analogy, it kind of is that. Because if you look at it as the kid that's in the first row, guess who the teacher tends to favor most of the time? The kid sitting yeah. at the front just, in, it's, in the it's, first it's chair. It's a small piece it, of the it's, never it's, 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 the, it's that alpha <laughs> dog mentality. It's that, yeah. look, everybody yeah. know I'm the man. Yeah, But, I mean, I... I, again, you know, I think you made some excellent points on Devontae Smith, and if you're getting him uh, back in the seventh, eighth round, I mean, that's that's ideal. But just the reason that I kind of bring up the caution and the fact that it's relevant is if he starts off slow, understand that you know he missed some time in camp, and it may take him a while to get acclimated. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So be patient yeah. with him. These type of players you have to be patient with. I want to say, what do you one, think about Amari Cooper though? I want to hear yeah, what you exactly. say about that. So I know you're a Lamb guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I like Lamb. I almost Lamb. forgot CeeDee Lamb's last name. I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, I like CeeDee. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, I'm a CeeDee guy. He's already reached a status where you first name basis. First name basis. <laughs> first name basis. <laughs> CeeDee. So, he has his own emoji, yeah. CeeDee. So, <laughs> I like Lamb, and there's been a lot of kind of discussion uh, on Twitter uh, regarding, you know, if his ADP is appropriate. Where's his he's, ADP right now? Because it's, it's, I think I'm he's hearing going, they're going, he's going like early, early third. Yeah, early third. That's too high for me. That's exactly. For exactly. Me. So, yeah. you know, I think it's always important to put in context when you say, I really like somebody. Because I really like CeeDee Lamb. But I don't like taking him over, you know, uh, someone like, who's going in that, you know, someone like an A.J. Brown. Someone you like Keenan Allen. You exactly. know I love Brown. You know I love Keenan yeah. Allen. Mm-hmm. And I know so, you're not yeah. a Terry McLaurin guy, but for me, yeah. I prefer Terry McLaurin. So, but... If you're taking a mid third, late third, you know, to me that that's within his, you know, ADP within that tier. I'm not, I can't argue that. That, There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But getting back to Amari Cooper, you know, had a chance to talk with our sports injury specialist, Dr. Mm -hmm. Carlos Reyes. He feels like he's not concerned. And I'll Mm, just look at, I'll let you guys know this that uh, Carlos is very conservative, which I like because we talked about it before. I'm that optimistic drafter, you know. Oh, they say he's, you know, only going to miss five to 12 weeks. That means he's coming back week four, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he puts things into perspective, into more likely outcome. And so when it came to Amari Cooper, he felt that given Amari Cooper's history of being able to play through injury, being able to play through pain, uh, and the type of procedure that was done, removing just this burns, this bone spur, he says anticipate that he will miss most, if not all, of the preseason games, mm-hmm. but that he should be ready to go week one. Mm-hmm. And why is that important? Because you mentioned it earlier. We should expect to see his ADP to fall. Mm-hmm. And so what am I going to do? Scoop him up. Buy that dip. Yeah, yeah I got I'm going to buy the dip. Yeah. Uh, so Does he think when he comes back he's going to be at full strength? Absolutely. Okay. So It's an ankle injury, right? No. So I think he had an issue with plantar fasciitis, and I don't want to get... It's a foot injury. Yeah, it's a foot injury. And so it was really a bone spur that he had removed. So it's not like he had a ligament repair or anything like that, but he just had some irritation. I I saw a report today where they said, okay, he had the surgery, he was coming back, he was healing up, and he was starting to practice, but then he started to get discomfort in his his foot. So it's almost like he had a slight... We could call that a setback to some extent, right? Yeah. So a different set... So it's a setback... In this situation, I am less concerned about. I think it's still important, mm-hmm. but I'm less concerned about that type of setback versus if I hear that with someone who had a ligament or tendon repair, like an Achilles repair or gotcha. Saquon Barker with, a, with an ACL. Gotcha. You, so, know, you know the crazy thing about the Cowboy situation, and I know I'm going off a tangent, but the crazy thing about that is, you know, we look at Amari not practicing and we're like, 
dang, he's missing reps. He's missing yeah. the ability to get the install of the new offense, and you know he's getting you know just game ready. Yeah. But then I and I think okay, he's not getting that rapport with his quarterback. But then I think wait. His quarterback's not there either. Mm-hmm. And I'm making <laughs> so, the same thing in Baltimore. <laughs> so, exactly. So, so that's important. He's not yeah. even building a rapport with Dak. Yeah. Dak. Even if he was there, he wouldn't be able to build a rapport. Yeah. And then on the other end, CD is not, CD is yeah. not building the rapport with Dak yeah. either. So then I'm like, wait, should I be a yeah. high on CD? And I have no issues with you know the videos being posted. I love to see highlight videos. But I, I, take, I, I take nothing at all from a CD Lamb highlight yeah. being thrown by the you know QB2, the QB3, uh, like to me, it means nothing, especially when he's the only wide receiver, and especially against that particular. No, don't, don't sleep back. on Michael Gallup, man. So what, Michael Gallup? Yeah. No, but Michael Gallup was actually out for a while. With oh, the, really? With the okay. I, I think he may be back now. I actually okay. just drafted. Him. I'm not a huge Michael Gallup guy, but I actually just drafted him in the main event. If he gets the opportunity, uh, recently, man, so. he has a very high ceiling, man. And this is the thing. This is this is this is the kicker. Okay, so. And you never want to just draft a guy banking on an injury. But if someone is currently injured, you know, I'll put this in quotation marks for uh, Amari Cooper. But if someone is currently injured, you know, maybe they're more likely to get a re-injury or aggravation. So you can think to yourself that, man, if something goes that happens to Amari Cooper, Mm -hmm. CeeDee Lamb, of course, is, you know, deserved of a maybe a round two Early round two pick at that point. And mm-hmm. Gallup, who's going in the eighth, ninth round right now. Uh, so, wait, wait. You're saying that you would take CD higher if you knew Amari wasn't in the picture? If, if Amari had a more serious injury that I was kind of concerned yeah. about, I would, take, I would be okay, taking let, CD Okay, let's go to the, the extreme. If Amari was out for the season, oh, I would be taking who would CD? you taking him taking CD over? Would, who would you not take CD over? CD Lamb would be in the range of DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, I would take him over AJ Brown. I would take him over Keenan Allen. I would so take you would him take him Charlie. back in Charlie. second. So, so back in, back in and second. he would be yeah he would basically be neck and neck with Justin Jefferson. And I would probably give mm-hmm. CD the Lamb over Justin Jefferson. So so back in second, early third because Jefferson's going like early third. Yeah. So a little bit of a bump up, not a lot because he's already going mid. It would be now. like he would basically he would he would end up in the mid second, and I would have no issues mid second. So a whole round bump up. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the Colts for a second because we've been talking about injuries for a while. Obviously, everybody has been talking about Carson Wentz being out for 5 to 12 weeks. I don't want to talk about that for a second. Something that's kind of gone under the radar is that this offensive line seems decimated. What does that mean for Jonathan Taylor, who's going really high in the first round or what mid to late first round? How does this affect those people – those positions around um, that offensive line. Yeah, man, I, that that's critical. I think that's a, a topic that, uh, you know, definitely some people are talking about, but I think it needs to be at the top of the list, even more so above Carson Wentz. Because, you know, getting to Carson Wentz, uh, we're expecting him to miss anywhere between 5 and 12 weeks. And, again, talking with uh, Dr. Reyes, our sports injury uh, uh, expert, he basically felt like, it's more likely that Carson Wentz is out until about week seven. Hmm. And he presents things in ranges. So it's, you know, when we're talking about injuries, and Dale's brought this up in the past, some players come back quicker. We never know. But based on his knowledge, based on his expectations, he sees Carson Wentz coming back around week seven. Hmm. So he's seeing a little bit longer of a timetable. So already in my mind, I'm thinking that, okay, at the very, you know, least, we're looking at the higher end of that spectrum range of the five to 12 weeks. So I think the idea of him being back in a month, month and a half, 
to me is unlikely, and I'm just sort of kind of eliminating that, you know, from my, uh, you know, when, when drafting Colts players. So we don't know who's going to be a quarterback, okay? Mm-hmm. We're hearing about Jacob Eason, okay? Uh, has not really gotten a lot of reps mm-hmm. in practice, in games, et cetera. He was a rookie last year. We're hearing a lot of things out of camp, and they have a good defense, so, but we're hearing that he's, you know, struggling a bit. I think today he had maybe a little bit better day, which we would anticipate, but we heard it's been an extreme struggle. They also have someone called Sam Ellinger. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know, a Longhorn alum, so I'm very familiar with him. My money would actually be on him, to be quite honest. I'm mm. not going to even – my money would be on him because he gives you more from a standpoint of being able to ha- run a conservative offense, okay? But even with that being said, they may still bring in a veteran quarterback. You know, we've heard talks of them trading for Nick Foles. Philip Rivers, although I think, you know, he's probably he said he's not coming back until, you know, his uh, his season finishes on the high on the high school level. Uh, and, and there are other veterans out there that they could trade for as well. So a lot of question marks there. But again, getting back to it, the major issue is that offensive line. Mm-hmm. OK, so they lost their left tackle last year, Costanza. OK, mm-hmm. and he had some injuries, but they lost him and they replaced him with Eric Fisher from uh, the Chiefs, mm-hmm. who's coming off an Achilles Injury, and he tore his Achilles, I think, in the AFC Championship game. Right. So he's not that far removed. Mm-hmm. And they say he's supposed to be back like sometime mid late August, but we still don't know. Okay, he's still currently on the pup. Uh, but the biggest, oh, and then sorry, uh, Kelly, their center, mm-hmm. has has got a little bit of an elbow injury, and he's I out for a few weeks. That. Okay. Yeah, he's out a few weeks. He's okay? gonna be back before the season opener. He should be back, but you know they say he's out, so he's out. Uh, last report, I think, it was a few days ago, out two to three weeks. Okay. But the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson, mm-hmm. yeah, guard. literally probably one of the best linemen in the NFL mm-hmm. playing the guard position. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for a running back? We talked about it. Remember we talked about uh, Teller. Wyatt Teller yeah. with, and, and then how we were all over Chubb once Wyatt Teller came back and yeah. then he just blew up. Yeah. That's how I view Quentin Nelson. You remove Quentin Nelson from the equation, hmm. then this whole talk about Jonathan Taylor being you know, behind the scenes lead offensive line is done. Right. And what injury did Quentin Nelson have? He had the same injury as Carson Wentz. Wentz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was talking with uh, Carlos, he was telling me, you know, Carlos is his first, Dr. Ray's first name. Car- when I was talking with Carlos, he was telling me that he would expect a little bit longer, maybe a few more weeks of recovery from an offensive lineman, given how much weight he has to put on that foot. Wow. And that that foot being in a very, you know, kind of dependent position or a position that's not ideal for recovery. Hmm. So, I mean... Quentin Nelson's a large, large man. If he had the hmm. same procedure that, you know, that Carson Wentz had, we're, we're looking at a potential issue where he may be out you know, a significant amount of games into the season. So how does that tie into Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor, to me, was kind of in that Nick Chubb tier. Mm-hmm. And when I say tier, I don't mean from a ranking standpoint, but I mean from you know, how, I, how I evaluate and draft players. I love Nick Chubb because he was in an offense and behind an offensive line in a system that was going to run very efficiently and be in positive game scripts. So everyone was always making this argument, well, he has to be super efficient for him to pay off his value. And I brought up the, uh, you know, the stats before about how when he returned from injury, if you just, you know, I think it was like an eight, nine game sample. If you just extraploit that over 16 games, he finishes at the top five uh, running back for like the last three years. Or very, very close to it. Mm-hmm. So we've already seen him at that efficiency with Kareem Hunt. Okay, So that's what I was buying. 
That's what I was buying with Jonathan Taylor. I understand the issues with Naheem Hines, but my thought process was that he is behind a very elite offensive line in a competent system, yeah. and I expected this team to be in a lot of positive game script situations. So I was buying the efficiency. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that he needed a lot of volume to pay off that ADP. And again, I wasn't high on him. I wasn't taking him in the you know, mid to early first. He was more of a, okay, he's falling to the second, I'm grabbing the second. And I got him uh, like, you know, in, uh, you know, second round in a, in a main event uh, tournament a few weeks back. Would you draft him as high as the 10 hole? So now where I have him, I wouldn't draft. I would, I would, players that I would draft over Jonathan Taylor, obviously Antonio Gibson, mm. uh, obviously Saquon Barkley. We've had that discussion plenty of times. Um, Nick Chubb, of course. Aaron Jones, of course. And this is in no particular order. I was just, me just kind of thinking off the top of my head. And Joe Mixon. And I think Joe oh, Mixon. Oh, wow. So you would, you would drop Jonathan absolutely. Taylor to absolutely. Absolutely. mid-second. Yeah. And maybe, and you know what, maybe this is like one of those like personal hedges mm-hmm. where maybe I wasn't really high on Jonathan Taylor and I'm looking for a reason to really knock him down. But really when I look at it, it's not. Because all those factors that we were worried about before are still in place with Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. Even Marlon Mack is getting, you know, some uh, talk. I'm, I'm still not overly concerned about Marlon Mack, but... Now when you bring into play that offensive line and the quarterback and this offense potentially running at a less efficient pace hmm. or running or, or, or basically you know, in less positive game scripts or less red zone opportunities, things of that nature, I have to drop them down, okay? Dale, where would you draft Jonathan Taylor given the news about this offensive line? Like, would you drop him as far as mid-second? Like, would you drop him that far? I, 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 no, I, I wouldn't. I would still probably take him early second. I would still probably take him early second. After Gibson, um, I'm not big on – I mean, I, I don't even really want to say it, but I'm not big on Chubb as everybody else is. I, I like Chubb as a talent. I don't like the fact he doesn't get a lot of receiving work. And if you take away those touchdowns, I mean, of course, you can't take away production. But if you mm-hmm. do take away touchdowns, you know, touchdowns are hard to predict. His numbers don't look as great. Uh, I still like Jonathan Taylor. Um, I mean, just to touch on Carson Wentz, y'all know how I feel about him. Right. So if right, you ask right, me, right. it might be an upgrade that they go to Easton or, or Ellinger. So. Don't go there. <laughs> listen, listen <laughs> Ellinger, way, baby. you don't are right there. about that. I told y'all about I got into an argument with the guy on YouTube in the comments because he was like, He's only 28 years old, not 38. And then, bam, the injury happened. And then I listed all of the prior injuries. I was like, listen, my man Dale was right, man. Like, y'all need to listen to him. Yeah, He's yeah. right. So, so I'll give so, you your flowers I, today. I like Eason. He was a fourth-round pick last year. Still a young guy. Has talent. Mm-hmm. It's really about what's between the ears there, which we won't know until we see him in the game. He hasn't had really much uh, game experience. I like Ellinger, um, a sixth-round pick this year. Um, from UT, but you know the issue if he ends up winning the job for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, he's a running quarterback. So oh, he's gonna, he's, gonna running, he's a fullback. Yeah, yeah, I know. Playing yeah, quarterback, he, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's like Dante Culpepper. Go, go, go look, Dante yeah, Culpepper. go look up uh, Ellinger Cass. <laughs> just look up his, just, just just type that into Google. <laughs> so so um, I, I, so for me, the offense may still be productive. We don't know. Offense line is a slightly slight concern Fisher was already out of the equation from the jump from mm-hmm. the time we started drafting so that's not really anything I consider the Kelly thing I didn't know about um, but the way it sounds it sounds like he's coming back early so no no big concern there Quentin Nelson is a concern not mm. gonna not gonna disregard that Jeez. but the thing with Quentin Nelson Quentin Nelson meant they had one of the best offensive lines 
in the in the NFL. Without Quentin Nelson, are we now going to say they have one of the worst offensive lines, or just not the they best? Lo- they've lost pieces. I think this has gone. I think this has gone underlooked, but, especially but what, from a but, running but, game. But that's what I'm saying. Guard? They've only really lost two pieces. One of those pieces we end up back by we we expect to be back by the season opener. So it's really one piece now. A big piece, a yeah. big piece, probably the biggest piece, but it's still one piece. So I don't think they're going to become the worst offensive line. And the thing with Jonathan Taylor, I think a lot of people were buying not only his his projected workload, but the talent. He's a very talented running back, um, and you know they're going to give him the work. Now, he might not get all the work, but again, we've talked about it. Who gets all the work anymore? Right. Um, you know, you but have, can you really make a case for him over Joe Mixon, who's, gonna, who's potentially a workhorse? Joe Mixon, got, a, Joe Mixon got his ankle hurt today, healthy? really. Yeah, yeah, he got his ankle hurt. But, um, okay, was, let's, was, so let's look at it. Let's look at it. You're saying Joe Mixon, but we've heard reports today of Joe Burrow like struggling and running for That's his good life for Joe because— Mixon. Because that offensive line is struggling. So for Joe Mixon. apparently the offensive line in Cincinnati might be worse than the offensive line in oh, of course. in Indy. Of you course. know, so Jonathan Taylor has the advantage with the offensive line. Yeah, but he's getting <clears throat> he's getting catches. He has no Naheem Hines. Yeah. That's the issue is that you lose that efficiency. Maybe, and if you're losing maybe. It, this is what, this is all. But I'm Joe saying. Mixon's always had catches. Yeah. So that's not a new thing for him. And we were still drafting Jonathan Taylor over Mixon. This was, but that's because he was operating behind an elite O line. This is all I'm saying. But when but, it comes to Quentin Nelson, yeah, okay, uh, it, you know what would be interesting is to look at the splits or look at. I don't. I, don't, I guess he really hasn't. There's not going to be any splits, yeah. But that's going to be something that's going to be interesting. But pay attention to his timeline. Really do a deep dive into that. You know, we need to figure I saw, out. I, I'll tell you right now. I saw back. he had actually put out a tweet today saying he's going to try to get back by week one. I mean, you know how players are. Yep. But he put that out mm-hmm. there. And we're talking about a guy. I mean, you know, with these players, people with, with that type of, you know, God-given talent or whatever, they do crazy things. Like, like Giannis. Yeah, but this, yeah. It's the third week getting Giannis into the conversation. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, but real quick. You're going to force Giannis. But this is very different. <laughs> he has a foot right, right. injury. No, I, get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying. We'll, He's a foot injury we'll and this dude is 300 plus pounds. But, but, but here's the thing. And he, and he makes a living. I got you. But here's the thing. We were taking Jonathan Taylor before this, these bad you know, beats in the mid first to late first. I, w- where, I was not taking him. N- not us, but that's where he was going. Okay, so I'm, I mean, I'm telling you. So, so what I'm, I'm saying is, now that we have this injury to the offensive lineman, because again, I'm only really considering one lineman is going to be gone. I would take him in the, like one round later, you know, okay, the mid second. So, we, so we're doing the same thing. Yeah, mid second, early second, mid second. So we're basically doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. The only difference is like you're, my cutoff is. But Joe you're, you're bigger on Chubb than I am, and I feel like Mixon's probably right right behind him. Still. But I don't understand how you could how you how you would take Jonathan Taylor over Nick Chubb at this because stage. again with the thing with Chubb is. Who's, and I like what, from I, a I talent like, standpoint, from an offensive line. I like Chubb's talent. I like his offensive line, but again, for me, I don't think he's going to give get as many receptions. And I think with the PPR type setting, receptions are important. He's in the same situation. He has not I think Jonathan mind. Taylor gets passes though. Jonathan Taylor gets catches. I don't think Chubb does. Chubb was getting catches. Last, I mean, he had a couple of five, six, seven target games towards the end. Yeah, of last but I don't, don't want to bank on that. He's not that type of back, and they have a back that actually is the type of back to get a lot of catches. So, well, let's move on thing, to more yeah. camp news, guys. Everybody was talking today about Trey Lance, about how he looked good in camp, about whether he's going uh, to, stop. about whether he's going to start <laughs> Week One. Listen, we've already covered Trey Lance and Justin Fields about when they're going to start in this season. Do you, do you guys want to amend your predictions? Man, what I want is for people to stop drafting Trey Lance so damn early. <laughs> I need people to stop talking about Trey Lance. I need no more <laughs> highlights on Trey Lance. I literally got sniped. 
I call him saying snipe, but he went one pick ahead of me in a main event. Whoever was in that two spot, you know who you are. I am highly pissed. He knew I wanted Trey Lance. And the funny thing is I had, you know, call me a hypocrite. I was I strongly considered taking him at the 10-11 turn. Hmm. And the only reason that I did it is because this type of build. 10, oh, 10-11, I got you, yeah. I got you. And the only reason that I didn't do it is because I had this very unique build where I ended up, you know, I had the number one spot, okay, so I can't complain too much. All right, I, had, I started off CMC, DeAndre Swift. You can have your arguments about DeAndre Swift and A.J. Brown, okay? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there was just this incredible wide receiver run that went between the third and the fourth round where literally guys like Deontay, Godwin, Tyler Lockett, even Adam Thielen were all gone wow. before the fourth round. Mm-hmm. So the next and last player in that tier was Julio Jones. And we've talked about Julio Jones. I know there's a stigma mm-hmm. about Julio Jones. He's old, gets injured, and I know he's got the issue in the, with the injury now. But when he's on the field, he's produced. Either way, so I ended up taking the Julio. Wait, so you got Julio and AJ? I got Julio and AJ. Did you get Tannehill? I, so, exactly. So in the 10th round, got Tannehill? I got Tannehill. Okay. And so I had to okay. kind of reach, reach a bit for Tannehill, but mm-hmm. there, you know, I didn't want to mess around with the chances that I didn't get him. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, man, do I just get Tannehill and Lance? Did you get first year? Say what? Did you get first? I ended up getting first. Yeah. Okay. So, so I got a little. Okay. I got a little, again, this is not this is not planned. Let's see what's going on here. <laughs> it just happened that way. So I, I ended up. So I, I ended up with a little Tennessee stack. But I, you know, and, and, so instead of going Tannehill and Lance, mm-hmm. I ended up going Tannehill and Elijah Moore. So okay. it'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, okay. throughout the season. But you know, for this team, it made sense because for this team to really work. Tannehill has to produce in the passing game. Yeah. So this is kind of one of those situations where I don't so like getting two, two wide receivers. Titans, but two Titans every week. Two Titans oh yeah. uh, receivers yeah. every week. And the beautiful thing about it, too, is that uh, they have a very late buy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of my players have the same buy. We'll just, again, we'll deal with it when it comes to it. But they have a late buy, so I get to not have I, – I get to basically try and find players off the waiver wire, you know, uh, to uh, fill some of those flex positions throughout the year. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm still highly pissed. I'm not going to lie. I'm still highly pissed that he did not. And literally, I thought he, he almost made it back to me in the 12th round and then yeah. got sniped at the 11-11. Yeah. So, let's stay on the San Francisco 49ers for a second. Listen, whether it's Trey Lance or Garoppolo, do you guys think that that offense that's run-centric can really feed both Debo Sanders and Ayuk? Debo and Samuel. Samuels. Yeah, Samuels. Oh yeah. no, what did I say? You said Sanders, Sanders, I think. I know Samuels. Sorry. Yeah, Freudian uh, slip. It's okay. Right, right. Can that offense feed two number one receivers, or and if not, who are you taking? I mean, I think it can. I mean, I don't think they're going to be wide receiver ones, but I think it can. I think it can create a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two slash three, and a tight end one. It's historically, for the most part, done that. Uh, even I think the efficient running game really opens up the offense to run efficiently. So meaning they can put up, you know, quite a bit of yak with not that much required volume. I do think their defense is going to take a step up. They've already talked about wanting to take run the ball. Like get better? Yeah, get better. Oh, yeah. After losing Salah? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah, that, I mean, that'll be big. Point, we'll, we'll be able to see. But they're returning a lot of guys. So, I mean, they were bad last year because they had so many injuries to Bosa and whatnot. 
but they're returning a lot of guys from injury. So if they are healthy to start the year, I, I do think they're going to take a step up. Also, given their schedule, they have one of the easiest schedules. We've already talked about that. We've talked about but, like yeah. that playoff. Not even schedule. just the playoff. I mean, just kind of throughout. Right. Like you know, they go up against you know some. I want to say cake matchups, but matchups. When I look at, it, I can basically see potentials for turnovers, and that's really what we're looking at for you know, from a defense standpoint. Gotcha. But, but Dio, like if you had yeah. to choose one receiver in that core, like who are you taking? Ayuk. I'm taking Ayuk. Well, I like I, I've always liked Ayuk though. Yeah. So since his his college days, um, San Diego's is San, no Arizona State. I'm sorry, yeah. uh, with Nikhil Harry. But I, I've always liked Ayuk. Um, humongous wingspan, fast. You know, deep threat. You know, can take a, a slant into the house type player. Yeah. Um, I think he has it all. I mean, he's the type of guy you put the ball in his hands. Last year we saw him jumping over players and stuff as a rookie. I mean, he he has the the total package. Debo, I think he's more of a um, a short area receiver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen practice highlights where they kind of had him going deep, so I know they're probably practicing it with him. But he doesn't have the size. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a um, he's. I guess you could say he's stocky, but it's like he, a running back. Almost. Yeah, he's more like mm-hmm. a running back. You know, yeah. so running back type players they get the ball in short areas and then kind of do the rest with their legs. Um, the, now value wise, Debo is the value by far right now. I, you mm-hmm. I think it's going in the. Fifth round. Fifth, sixth yep. round. Debo probably the eighth, ninth round. Um, just kind of depending on what draft you are. Uh, and they probably are both going to be used similarly, but I think Ayuk probably can, out of the two, produce more. Yeah. Um, do I think they're both going to be wide receiver ones? No, yeah. because I think their wide receiver one is Kittle. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, at least it, it better be Kittle. Right. Right. being drafted right <laughs> now. You know, if it's not Kittle, yeah. then we have some problems. Um but, again, they like to run the ball, too. I think Shanahan – and we've had the discussion before as far as how I think Shanahan kind of just uses any running back, like mm-hmm. a committee. Yeah. I feel like he just – anybody that plays running back, right. if you're, as long as you're healthy and you're not tired, get in there and run the ball because his system is able to produce uh, production any type of player. Um, but I think really Shanahan's system is all about just get the, the ball to your playmakers. Yeah, just, in space. Er, yeah, everybody – Misdirection. Get, get playmakers all on the yeah. field and mm-hmm. just get them the ball. Yeah. You know, find whoever's open, yeah. find the mismatches, and get them the ball and let yeah. them do the rest. And yeah. they all are the type of players that can yeah. get the ball and do the rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel like you need some shares of Ayuk, though. Uh, yeah, I love Ayuk. I there love Ayuk. is the potential that Shanahan reverts to having that dominant wide receiver one. We've been hearing it in camp, the buzz. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, take some of this, you know, with a grain of salt to some degree. But when you hear it over and over and over again, to me, I, you know, we talked about this four-dimensional puzzles and we're mm-hmm. trying to get pieces. To me, this is a small piece. Debo, a second-round pick. Yeah. Ayuk, a first-round pick. Who they yep. did what? Traded up. Yeah. To get, they traded up. And he, exactly. A first-round pick. And yeah. apparently he's just been dominating camp. Yeah. So yeah. there is a potential that he, you know, Shanahan reversed again, having that dominant number one. And Debo will still get his because it's still mm-hmm. a narrow tree, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to their targets, the the thing that you know kind of gives me pause with that was and why I'm not automatically clicking the button in the fifth and sixth round is they have Kittle. You know when Shanahan has had that previous number one dominant wide receiver in the past, there was no number one dominant tight end. Mm-hmm. So something has to give there. We don't have a lot of shares of Kittle. I think we're both kind of just like hedging on his offense. If I can get these guys at value, great. If not, then you know it's going to be tough. But here's the kicker. Mm-hmm. Going back to our previous discussion, Trey Lance. So when Trey Lance gets into the game, it's anybody's guess in terms of what's going to happen. Right. He's going to run. Yeah. That's going to take away from everybody. 
He's going it to score a lot of passes. It also might open up for everybody too. Also, exactly. But what I think that's going to do is create some volatility. So we may see more spike weeks. He's a rookie quarterback as well. So they may, you know, be a little bit more conservative. We've already been talking, you know, talks in camp in terms of like how they're running RPOs and design yeah. runs and things yeah. like that. So all of that is less volume for the running backs, less volumes for the pass receivers as well. By the way. And I've, I was talking to my friend that's, you know, I always mention the San Francisco 49ers fan. Who is this guy? Um, his name's Elliot, man. He's, he was on the groomsman, too. Okay, Elliot. Yeah, yeah, yeah Elliot. Okay. Um, Dale talk about you like you just. <laughs> no, he's my, he's, he's my 49ers expert. And like, like we, we, can't, we can't have discussions with, we, with Elliot. We, He'll we, send something into the group chat and be like, oh, my bad. That was meant for my San Francisco that's a, that's 49ers, 49ers insider. Right like, um, okay. <laughs> no, nah, he's legit insider, though. He's legit insider. But, anyways, uh, um, yeah. I was telling him today, man, it's like fantasy. I'm sorry. It's like Twitter is like bullying Shanahan right now. Saying put Trey Lance uh, yeah. as yeah, a starter, yeah. like they're like literally like bullying him. Yeah, yeah. you know it's, <laughs> it's and, and Shannon, <laughs> Shannon every week. You know, I mean every day. Uh, Garoppolo's doing yeah. great. Yeah. He's our starter. Uh, Lance is not gonna be yeah. the starter day one. What was it? He yeah. got one rep, right? It yeah, wasn't he like he got like yeah. series. No, no, he, he got, got one, one rep. rep. They, they came out there. <laughs> so when are you gonna up. put Lance yeah. in as a starter? Yeah. And I'm sitting here, we're in the eleventh round in this slow draft, and I'm like, no, there's the worst thing that can come like, out. Like it's crazy. Like even the, the 49ers, like Twitter, um, Twitter uh, room, whatever, yeah, they're yeah. putting out videos of Lance throwing these crazy. But I haven't yeah. seen one video of Garoppolo. But don't don't forget. I said it a long time ago. You don't take a quarterback that high without expecting him to start early. I don't they think he's starting him, early. Man, they took him too high for him not to start at least by midseason. Yeah. It depends on what Garoppolo yeah. is doing. I don't care what Garoppolo is doing. No, it depends doing. on what Garoppolo is doing. If Garoppolo is successful, then Garoppolo is going to keep that This job. is what you got to ask yourself. And, this is, and, and I need to bring this up, too, because this is, this is what made me hot. This didn't happen in the main event draft. This happened in another draft. I'm taking Trey Lance when I draft someone like Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, et cetera. I'm not taking Trey Lance when I draft somebody like Lamar Jackson, Russ. like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I saw like if, if you're going to spend a fourth and fifth round pick on a quarterback, mm-hmm. you are defeating the purpose of taking Trey Lance. The idea of Trey Lance is that you are spending very little draft capital on acquiring a Konami Code running back. Right. Or sorry, quarterback. And so you're kind of hedging. So you get your safe guy. You don't wait too long because quarterbacks these days, even in high stakes, mm-hmm. people are realizing even in high stakes, quarterbacks aren't going as late as they used to. So you get your you know, kind of lower tier quarterback. And to me, that's after you've secured your starting lineup. So you get a Justin Herbert in the eighth. And he's probably like the, you know, kind of the Colin, Justin Herbert, lower, lower tier? Come on, man. He's very lower tier. <laughs> oh. I, I, he doesn't even belong in that tier. Oh, uh, that's a di- di- different discussion. Crazy. Uh, but even, <laughs> and, and then someone like, you know, maybe Russell Wilson sometimes, depending on how I feel because of how volatile. But I'm not spending a 10th, 11th, you know, round pick on Trey Lance if I get a Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. But if I get somebody like Tannehill, somebody like Brady, somebody, you know, someone kind of in that tier yeah. uh, where, you know, Upside, but not quite sure. But I really want that guy who could just really, you know, take me home. Yeah. That's when I'll spend draft capital. But you're just, I think you're just defeating the purpose of drafting Trey Lance if you take him after you've already taken Josh Allen. And, and, and you're, you're wasting a roster spot. Yeah, you're going to have that problem. Even when, if Lance does get the job, you're going to have that problem every week. Like, which quarterback do I start? Yeah. And no, you don't want to be in that situation. Yeah. Because you end up starting one that you feel like is in a better situation. Yeah. And the, the one on the bench is the one that ends up scoring yeah. higher points. And you get so mad please, at yourself you and draft, you become frustrated. Draft, so. Yeah, if you draft Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, 
Patrick Mahomes, please don't draft Trey Lance. That's just being greedy. They're probably drafting <laughs> because they know you want him. That's just, that's just greedy. Probably just like, oh, <laughs> no, no, oh Skywalker's in this draft? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking Trey Lance. I don't care if I win, but you're not winning. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I'll be damned if you get three in a row. <laughs> so let's talk about the Raiders for a second. I want to talk about Josh Jacobs because it seems like Josh Jacobs is going after – I mean, I'm seeing him going, what, fourth round Josh Jacobs – for a guy that gave us over a thousand yards last year, is he being disrespected as a running back? He is, but this is tough because of where he goes. Mm-hmm. Now I think we're going to start to see a change in this. I think I talked. I think we talked about this last year, or maybe we talked about it in the group chat that we're seeing this shift in the board. And so I'm kind of I'm, I'm myself am even having to change how I you know draft my first and second round pick. Before you were able to get guys like Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, even Cooper Cup. In the sixth round, late fifth at worst. Okay? Now those guys are going in the fourth round, like we talked about. So it was hard back then to draft a guy like Josh Jacobs in the fourth and fifth round when you had such elite talent. Because you were having to pass on Mike Evans, Robert Woods, Amari Cooper. You don't want to pass on yeah. legit wide receivers like that and take Josh Jacobs. Not that I, you know, that, that I don't think that he's deserving of that. You know, you start off wide receiver, wide receiver. But then even then, it's still hard to pass on another wide receiver in that round. So now we're seeing him go in the fifth round. So now I think we're getting to a point where, yes, it's probably being disrespected. Because if I start seeing guys like, you know, if it's between OBJ and Josh Jacobs, I'm taking Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, now, again, it, roster build and construction, you know, it really is dependent on that. But to me, I view Josh Jacobs as that running back that I can start more weeks out of none, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to plan mm-hmm. on having him being a fixture in my starting lineup. And if you can play it that way and you can get a later running back, now instead of maybe drafting what you consider a running back three or what maybe some people consider a running back four, which I think is ridiculous, but now if you get that later running back that you can pair him with whoa, some, whoa. to some degree. So you're saying a running back four is ridiculous. So you don't start four running backs, two flex, two starting running backs? No, I'm saying if you're, if you're viewing him as a running back Four, like not oh, a running okay. back one. Yeah. yeah so, right, okay. so, so say you get him, you know, you draft him as your RB, you know, you, say you just draft him as your, you know, in that range in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. If you draft a compliment running back with him, then in essence, if you play it right, and again, this is tough, but if you play it right based on game script, based on matchup, now you don't have an RB3. Between these mm-hmm. two RBs, you have potentially an R, a low-end RB1. So that's kind of how I view him. Okay. Wait, do you see Jacobs getting more passing work this year? No, but you don't. But again, if, if you're playing, so you see him as a two-down back who gets a lot of carries and goal line work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, Daniel, like, tell me, like, what I, do you I, think I, about Kenyon Drake? Right, because right. because th- that kind of touches on where I think we need to go. Do you see Kenyon Drake as taking some of those carries from Josh Jacobs? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Not just the carries, but the receptions. I mean, hmm. we're already talking about a running back that's not getting a lot of passing work. You're going to bring in another running back who they say they're going to give him a lot of passing work. So Jacobs already wasn't getting much of, of it at all. Um, That's baked the, in. The, he wasn't getting it last year. Right. The stat I said last week was he had one target on third down his whole career. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is already baked in. But then we're acting like King and Drake hasn't shown that he can run the ball. Regardless of how he looked recently, he may not have looked good, but he's looked good before. He yeah. can run the ball. And – Gruden seems like the type of coach where if he tends to, or if he starts to like one of his players doing well, he'll start to give him more work. And I mean, I don't, J- Jacob hasn't been a guy that's really just just 
blown the top off, you know, his opportunities. You know, he's been a guy that's kind of looked I, suspect. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think Jacobs has been very, very good behind uh, a kind of suspect O-line. I don't think Kenyon Drake their is offensive good line at is, all is still Takeo. suspect. And Jacobs has been – he's been average at best. That's why he's being drafted where he's drafted now. So I understand that, but people keep saying that Kenyon Drake is going to come in and take work away from – uh, from from Josh Jacobs, you forget that Devin Booker is gone. Right, he's taking mm-hmm. Devin Booker's carries. He's not really taking. But you Josh don't pay Jacobs you don't pay a running back the type of money they gave Drake to just be a. Oakland Devin does Booker. a lot of crazy things. They they yeah. drafted Rugs Henry Rugs as the at but, the top but, overall wide receiver and used but, him as a decoy. But they weren't paying Booker the way they were paying Drake. Booker was signed from the Broncos, so they didn't give him that type of Drake money. And I never seen Gruden showing any type of love. To Booker the whole time he was on that team, Booker. I mean, I'm sorry, Gruden and Drake are sending each other love letters this whole offseason. Eh. So, so it's a totally different situation. And again, we're talking about a running back we've seen be successful. Booker's never been a guy we've looked at as being a talented or or a a great running back. Drake at times has done it. He won people fantasy leagues in 2019, so we know he has the capability. Um, so a, a lot of things are starting to slide against. How many, how many teams, how many, how many head coaches have let, have just let Kenyon Drake go? No, we're not paying you. We're going to trade you. We're done. Trust you with the role. Doesn't look like you can do it. Okay. Okay. Go. Let me answer so that question. Let me, I, wait, wait, so, let me and, answer and that I'm question. Just, and, I'm, and I'm talking let, about Wait, let me, let me answer question. that yeah. question. When he was with the Dolphins, he was, he was producing, but you remember that was the time period where the Dolphins, wait, 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 that was the time period where the Dolphins were getting rid of all their talented uh, players and you could tell they were doing a rebuild they were literally trading guys for picks their whole roster he was never and drake, run was, there. drake was one of the guys they traded during that That's time not, period that, i don't agree with that it, it was, I, it was his entire same. time in miami they never gave him a lead role even but, but, in college but I'm talking about, he never got a lead you, role you just mentioned the fact that the coach got rid of him i'm trying to tell you the time that they got rid of him was the time when the dolphins were basically getting rid of all the players on their but team even with when talent. he was there they did not trust him with the workload i'm not talking were, about i'm not constant. talking about trusting him with the workload i'm talking about them getting rid of him because that's what my whole my whole premise was that Head coaches seem to have an issue with Kenyon Drake. Well, During wait, his wait, entire okay, time so in let me Miami, finish. So let me they finish. had an issue with so him. Let me finish. Flores and them just got rid of him around the time they were getting rid of all their talent. When he was with the Cardinals, again, he had a good end to the season. And then they, they tagged him. They gave him the transition tag, which paid him what, top 10 running back money. I think it was eight, $8 million last year. How did year. he look? He didn't look great, but what I'm saying is the coach still felt they wanted to transition tag him. He didn't look great, so obviously he didn't earn that second contract. But what did he end up doing? He ended up going to the Raiders, who gave him another pretty good contract. So, so Raiders give a lot of people contracts. But, but, what, but what I'm saying is he, he's been put in situations where he's been successful. Coaches have obviously won him. Gruden, we know, wants him. And the Cardinals wanted him to, enough to give him that tag. The Dolphins, again, that was a different discussion. But, again, they were getting rid of all type of talent at that time. We don't know what the Raiders are going to do with 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 Drake. But what, what I'm saying is what we've seen them do with Jacobs has not been impressive. And now you add this other player that we know has had success in the, in the league. You can't just say, okay, let's just ignore this I'll guy. I'll gentleman, put a gentleman's waiver on this. Gen, mm. Gentleman's waiver. Okay. Right. Gentleman's bet. If Jacobs plays at least 14 games, he's going to have over 1,000 yards rushing. He's going to have over double-digit touchdowns, and he's going to have over 20 receptions. 20 receptions? 20 receptions. There's there's 17 games, so you're saying just one and a half catches a game? I'm giving you the stats. 
So a, a running 20 back receptions, one catch I'm, a game. Okay, like, but a little bit I, less. You're not drafting this. You're not remember. We, people think people were thinking of 2020 when we were draft when people when he was getting drafted in the back end of the first, early second. You're drafting him in the fifth, late fifth round. So if there's a, but back, I never I never said I wasn't drafting Jacobs. Uh, of course, it's going to be about value. I'm talking about why I feel like Drake is a threat to Jacobs. I'm not oh, talking I'm about not, I'm not talking about ADP yeah. or drafting him or 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 whether I would draft him. I'm, as far as me. Drafting him, it's all going to be about value, with, and that's the case really with any player. I've seen Jacobs go in the sixth round. You damn right, I'm taking him in the sixth round. That's a great that's value. All, that's all I've I'm also saying. seen him go as early as the fourth round. I'm not taking him in the fourth and I round. Completely agree. We're fifth not, round is a place I'm really like saying, do I want Jacobs or do, do I not want Jacobs? And most likely, I'll probably say I don't want Jacobs. But again, if he falls to the sixth, I'm going to definitely snatch him yeah. up because again, by that point, you have five <clears throat> five starters. Um, you don't need Jacobs to be a, a major producer. If he is, that's going to be a major benefit. Um, We're saying the same thing. All I'm saying is that, like, if you want a back that's going to give you over 1,000 yards, 20-plus receptions, double-digit touchdowns. I'll take that wager, by the, the fifth, way. In the, in the fifth I'll, round? I'll take that wager. you take that wager? I'll take that wager, yeah. Oh, you got to give me more like 30 receptions. Come on. It's 17 games, 20 receptions. That's like... One catch a game. All, but all I'm you asking... You are an extra game. Look, so. all, all I'm yeah, asking... 20 I, I receptions. Said, I said 14, yeah. All I'm asking is... I said if he plays 14 games. That means if he gets injured and he's a running back, running backs never play the full game slate. They, That's like less than two catches games. a game. Like, it's like nothing. Come okay. on, man. As a starting running back... He had 33 receptions last okay, but you Come just, on, man. Come on, so, man. Okay. Give me 30 receptions. But let me, let me, and, let me ask it this way. If you're in need of a running back and there's a running back that you think will get you 1,000-plus yards... Double-digit touchdowns and twenty-plus receptions. Is he worth drafting in the fifth round? Yes. I don't know if I'm drafting in the fifth round. It's going to be about my roster construction. Okay. I, I, I just I just said if you need a running back. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I all really right, don't know because right, right. I, I don't okay. I don't I don't I don't like Jacobs' prospect. I don't I don't like his situation very much. So when I'm building my teams. I might be in the fifth round where, yes, I need a running back, but I probably want a high upside running back. This is my a thing. running back that yeah. I think is going to be able to listen, give me a listen, high ceiling. If he ceiling. gives you double-digit touchdowns, that makes him this a top-ten running back. This is the yeah, I don't, thing, think, I don't think he's going to double-digit This is the last touchdowns. thing that, I, that I'll be saying about Josh Jacobs. Nothing has changed with Josh Jacobs' situation. Kenyon Drake is not taking away receptions from Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs never I don't know got. How, I don't know how you can he, say that, though. Let, let me, he never got receptions to begin with. No, okay, but, so no, when no, he's no, in the game. You, on said, the, you said Drake is not taking the he's touches not take, from Jacobs. He's not taking them away from. No, he's not taking them away from Josh Jacobs. I don't know Josh if you can Jacobs. say that, man. I don't know if you can say that. Because guess what? That. Josh Jacobs was never someone who was getting receptions. It was but either I'm not Jaylen just talking about the receptions, though. One of those guys. I, think, I think Drake is going to get carries, too. I, I think they may, they may start off giving Drake carries, and they're going to say, oh, this isn't working. Let's give it to the better back. We'll see. And Josh Jacobs is clearly. The better back. We will see. People forget how talented he is. They're about to. They're about to get reminded. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Listen, we actually get football this week. This Thursday, we get our first NFL football game. Yes. When you guys are watching preseason games, what exactly are you looking for, and how does that affect how you draft? Oh man. Uh, so this Hall of Fame game, I probably won't be watching much. I think the first thing you need to do is figure out. Are, are the starters, the majority of the starters playing? That's number one. Uh, it's good to like kind of you know, get a good look at the backups and things of that nature, but you want to get a good sense. And so ideally the game is where both starters from the offense and defense from the opposing teams are playing. First thing I always look at are the line, okay? I try to get a good sense of, okay, you know, are they getting a push? You know, especially if it's a suspect O-line like the Steelers, if they, if they trot out there, 
projected starting five, that is the main thing that I'm going to be looking at. I just need to know that they're not going to be absolute trash, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't need them to be great. I don't need them to be, like, mowing defenders over. I just need them to be able to hold up. If I can see that they're holding up, then I'm happy with that. And then I'm looking at, okay, from a running back perspective, who has burst? Hmm. Especially if it's a veteran, okay? Because... For me, I need to be able to. I want to be able to draft a player that has burst to start off. Because if you don't have burst now, mm-hmm. if you don't look like your legs are there now, what's going to happen? You know, week ten, week twelve into the season. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's very, very important. So someone like Mike Davis. Okay, I need to like. I, I'm, I'm going to be looking at. Okay, how much burst does he have? Things that I don't pay attention to. Okay, somebody like creates a wide open hole. Somebody runs for seventy yards. Could care less. Mm-hmm. I care more about those tough yards. So who's breaking tackles? Okay. Who's getting skinny through the hole? Who has vision and is following his blocks? You know, so especially, you know, that's important, I think, for the younger running backs. Uh, that's something that we didn't get last season, okay? Mm-hmm. But now that we get that this season, now we can actually see Javante Williams on an NFL level. Is he, you know, does he have good vision? Is he able to shut off blockers like he was in the college? You know, same thing with the Najee Harris. You mm-hmm. know, how do they look in between the tackles? You can just see it with certain running backs. So I'm looking at that. And then I'm looking at, quarterbacks who are they looking to first not Hmm. who not targets not production where are their eyes going first because number one that's showing okay this playbook design targeted this wide receiver in the progression first and two the quarterback may have a favoritism towards a certain wide receiver Hmm. so it's something that like if it's like you know if it's like 40 30 25 or something like you know something along those lines Maybe not a big deal. But if it's like 50, 60 percent, mm-hmm. OK, that's significant. Or if you see a quarterback that just has this propensity to like dump it down or target his tight ends, those are key. So, again, I want to see where are they looking. Mm-hmm. And this is the nice thing about preseason. It's usually not the entire game where the starters are playing. Right. So you can really go in and just on those watch quarters. Just two, specific. Yeah, if you don't and... if you don't want to like, you know, get too in depth with the backups and things like that. You can really go in on the starters, and then you can fast. I mean, record as many games as you can, and go back, rewind. Literally, like it to me, I think preseason is very, very key. But don't look at stats. Don't ignore box scores altogether. Okay, you got to watch the film. Dale, so, does preseason matter? And what are you looking for in these preseason games? So I, I kind of disagree with pretty much everything Abby <laughs> just said regarding preseason games. I think they give you barely anything at all, um, especially the way preseason does, is done now. I don't think a lot of teams are really going to be playing their starters in these preseason games. I feel like these teams now f- think that the practices and the, the uh, what do they call it, when they go with another team and practice joint sessions or whatever, I think they feel like that's where they really get their best looks. Um, and they use the preseason more so to look at the depth on the team, the backups. Um, I definitely don't see these teams using their real plays or the plays that they're going to actually utilize mostly during the season, during preseason, um, because they're not trying to put it on on film for other teams. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think, um, like, running backs are running as hard, unless unless they're rookies. Now, now, now we're not talking about the young players. We're talking about the the established veterans. Um, I don't really think they really show what they're really going to be. Um, so for me, preseason is really just entertainment. It's really just football's back. I'm enjoying watching football. 
one thing I do like to pay attention to is the rookies, you know, because that's their, that's their first taste of NFL action. They're the ones that are going to go hard or, or all out. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. try to show the world this is how good I am. You end up seeing these, these, these young rookies who probably didn't hear much about because they weren't big names in the draft, but then you see them actually play a game and like, oh, wow, who is this player? Mm-hmm. So I might go back and look a little closer to them. Um, but as far as what I gain, as far as how I value players in drafts, you know, in those 20 rounds that we're drafting now at FFPC, there's not really much I take from it at, at all. Um, and here's the thing with, with preseason. Back before last, um, before this year, there was always four preseason games. And the way it would be, with, that first game would be maybe the starters play one drive and then the rest of the game is back up. And then game two, probably mostly backups. Again, it's, it's dependent on the team. But then game three, they would have their starters play. And back in the day, it used to be the first quarter, the second quarter, maybe a little bit of the third quarter. Then the backups finish the game. And then fourth, uh, fourth preseason game, it would be no starters. It would be all depth players because they were basically trying to cut the roster down from 90 to 53. I think it used to be like another number and then a week, like 60-something and 53 by the end of um, – of mm-hmm. the of the uh, training camp. Um, now they've taken away a preseason game. So I'm not really sure where teams are going to consider playing their starters in that three-game you know, preseason schedule because before it used to be, again, the third game. Are they going to do it on the third game now, the last game? Or are they going to do it now the second game and use that third game to really see all their backups? I don't really know. There might be a thing where they say, look, we don't want to play our starters at all. You know, again, we've seen what we need to see in practice in these joint practices. Let's just see what the backups do in a real game setting. Yeah. Um, so, again, I don't – Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I don't really put much, I much mean, we, at all in there. We said the same thing. I don't think you heard what I said initially, which is – Well, you were saying, you know, playing, watch – But, but it, again, even if, if the starters play, I don't think we're really seeing anything from there. What, I, I think what, it's so more not, so these I'm starters – I'm not looking at plays, but if, you're, if your starters are playing, if your starting O-line is playing, they can't go 75%. You can't afford to go 75% as an offensive lineman because if a defensive lineman is going 85% and your star quarterback is back there, like defensive, you can't, they don't have the luxury of getting there and say, okay, guys, let's go like three quarters. That doesn't happen. So to me, if the starters are playing, I'm looking at the push on that offensive line. So some teams aren't going to play their starters. You can probably anticipate the Rams. What if, what if one team is playing their starters, their offensive line is going against the backups of the other team? It's, it's, and just like in everything we talk about when it comes to fantasy football on this podcast, it is situation specific. Yeah. So that's why I'm bringing up specific situations. For me, question marks like the Steelers' offensive line, even someone like the Chargers' offensive line, we're just assuming that they're going to be so much better, but there's a lot of new pieces. How do they gel? I need to see this offensive line not look like complete trash. Those things to me are important. I, I don't. Um, I don't think you really get that from preseason. I mean, you you may feel you can, but I feel, I feel for, like I've gotten what, that in the past. So if, for, if, if the starters are out there, to me that's important. Yeah. I, again, I don't. I don't get anything from it at yeah. all. So speaking of getting anything from it, Dale, do you focus more on some of these beat writers and camp reports? Or are you focusing more on actually seeing the videos, seeing clips yourself? Like, how are you evaluating these players? And do you think camp reports are worthless? I don't. I don't focus on any. <laughs> I don't really focus on any of that stuff, man. It's. I think it's all biased information being put out. Um, and you know, with all these reports, especially on Twitter, you're, you're seeing really the highlighted 
players that people want to hear about. You know, you're not seeing everything. You know, you're you're going to see, like we were saying, Trey Lance. Everybody's going to put the Trey Lance um, tweets out there. But Garoppolo's getting a lot of reps, too. Probably he's getting more reps than, than Lance, and we're not really hearing about what he's doing. That's going on on across the league you know there's probably players that are doing well that we just never hear about because these beat writers are really only focusing on on certain players um getting clicks yeah and and, and even the, with the videos you know the videos are only going to show these high end or the players that people want to see you know so it's, it's all biased to me for me at this time i more so like to get information as far as on what i like to call actionable information you know hmm. um what are players that teams signed? Um, who's getting injured? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe who's like the consistency, somebody's going with the starters um, as far as running team drills. Um, you know, things like that. Things that things that you can't put your own personal bias to. You can't say, oh, that was a great play. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those are the things I really want to pay attention to. And I think it's a lot of noise that occurs right now. Um, so I, I really just ignore all of it, really. Yeah. AB, yeah. how do you decipher from the actionable news and the fluff? I think you can't ignore it. I think if you just ignore it all, that you're doing yourself a big disservice. I'm going to use the analogy. Um, I don't like to talk about work or anything like that, but coming up, you know, you know, throughout medical school, during residency, one thing that we always had to do was stay, uh, you know, stay up to date when it came to, you know, uh, journals, relevant articles, etc. And the, before you can even start, you know, reading an article, you had to first learn how to critically appraise it. Mm-hmm. And there were various things in it because no two studies are alike. You may have one study that's like double blinded, uh, randomized controlled trial, you know, highly powered, you know, meaning just like thousands of patients where you have another study that's more like anecdotal, like my clinic, you know, patients, my, you know, from my clinic only, you know, maybe 20 patients, you know, and they're both studying the same medication. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly we're going to go to this larger randomized controlled double-blinded study. Mm-hmm. And even within that study, you still have to go through and assess how they came up with their methodology, how they ran their analysis, how they came up with their statistics. All of that is important before you ultimately come to the decision on whether or not you feel like this medication is safe enough for me to give to my patients, whether or not I feel confident that this is something that I want to you know, incorporate in my practice. So when I go through all of this information, I don't want to just completely ignore it. But what I want to do is actually dive into it and I want to go to the source. So I think it's important to like avoid just seeing the clips, you know. For example, you know, I think there was a clip today. Darnell Parham is getting increased workload. Well, they just lost Henry. Okay, yes, they brought in Jerry Cook, but guess what? If you actually go to the article, you know, and anybody anybody can get uh, a a subscription to the Athletic, where these you know a lot of these reports come from. There's actually you know a paragraph in there that talks about how four different tight ends are getting run with the first team. Hmm. Okay, so. I think getting all of the information is important than just kind of completely ignoring it. And another one, you know, this is a clip that, you know, we sent out to the group chat 
was Brian Edwards. And if we remember back from 2020, like that mm. was like, you know, the kind of like late round sleeper who skyrocketed out, was getting a lot of buzz. And so like he's resurfaced and he resurfaced because John Gruden, you know, you know, there was a clip of him, you know, and not even, I don't even think they played the video. It was just a clip that said, oh, Brian Edwards looks like Terrell Owens. Owens yeah. Now, if you actually put that in context, if you actually go back and you can go back, it was, I think, on NFL Network. Go back and Google the clip. The question was specifically, okay, who are the other guys for Derek Carr? You know, who else needs to step up? Mm -hmm. And what he did was he listed a number of different names. He listed Henry Ruggs, felt like he was making strides. He mentioned Brian Edwards and said, he's like, yeah, and Brian Edwards, and you know, look at him. He looks like Terrell Owens. He looks like, mm -hmm. you know, one of those number one wide receivers. He mm -hmm. didn't say that he is Terrell Owens. He said right. he looks, he's basically saying he has the build of a number one wide receiver. Right. But then he said, and then we have slot receivers. We have Hunter Renfro and we have Willie Sneed. Mm -hmm. And then this is, the, this is what just got completely X'd out and mm -hmm. like didn't even get mentioned. He said, what, who I'm really excited about was uh, Foster Monroe. So he mm -hmm. listed out like five or six different names. But mm -hmm. he said, who I'm really excited about and who he ended it with was Foster Monroe, getting mm. him back from injury. Moreau, so again, Moreau, yeah, yeah. Moreau, yeah. So all of these things are important to like put in context. Go to the source. Like I like to just like I really like to just go to the entire beat writer's article. And again, like Tadeo's point, a lot of that stuff is fluff. You got to try to ignore the opinion pieces where they're like, oh, this was a great personal bias and confirmation yeah. bias. So. But some of them are details. Some of them will give okay, you. Okay, but let like, me ask you this. Do you see something or any kind of tweet, report, whatever, does that make you then change the ADP or where you're drafting a player? A lot of these do not change ADP majorly, but this is where you can start to so find So it sways sleepers. you a little bit. It depends. It depends on the report. So, like, for instance, a lot of times when I'm going through these reports, I'm looking for something specific, okay? Like, for instance, let's take into an example the Philadelphia Eagles. When I'm going through these beat reporters, I'm... Or, I'm, I'm, or through the uh, reports, I'm looking for, okay, who's, you know, which wide receivers are getting run with the ones, mm -hmm. okay? I'm looking for which tight ends are getting run with the ones. I'm also looking for what type of formations are they running? Hmm. Are they running 12 personnel? Do we see Zach Ertz and Dallas Garden on the field at the same time? Or are they just running a lot of three wide receiver sets? Because I think, you know, we all kind of maybe anticipate they were going to be running 12 personnel, but that may not be the case. So there's only one tight end on the field. Who's the majority? And so we've already been hearing reports of Jalen Hurts click, you know, throwing passes to both Goddard and Hurts. So this is an issue where it's a rotation. So now I have to pull back on Goddard. And we already know the reports that Hurts, at least at this point, is not being yeah. traded. Yeah. So now I know I'm not going to be like reaching for Goddard. See, that's that's the thing. I don't look at reports like that and then say, okay, well, let me now start to consider Hurts as being more of a of a a threat to to Goddard. Because when, when I'm initially evaluating these teams and these rosters, I already take stuff like that into consideration. Ertz was never traded. You know, Ertz was still on the team. There was, a, there was a chance Ertz can be moved, and that kind of allowed me to kind of determine where I had Goddard's range. But like we said last week, I, I'm not a big Goddard fan regardless. For, for me, where he's valued is baked into the fact that he can – probably be the sole tight end there with Ertz gone, or he can be sharing the, the tight end room with Ertz. So nothing that I'm reading now is now going to make me say, okay, now let me start to change the value of where I have these players. To um, me, well, to me it's important if they're not running 12 personnel and one tight end is going to but, be but, on but the these field. Are, but the, but that's, that's the thing. A, that's that's, that's another thing. I'm not sh 
I, I don't truly think that what these beat writers see at practice, because first of all, they're not at every single practice, but what they see at practice is going to be the 100% authentic truth of what these teams are going to do in season. Now, I, I do think teams work on things and they probably see what they're working on, but that, that doesn't guarantee that when week one comes, what they saw in practice week one, week two of training camp is going to be what the team oh, puts, out, puts uh, out there out, out on the field. Oh, 100% you know, agree so, with that. We so, talked about that with the Saints. So that's why I don't hear what these B-Riders are saying and say, okay, let me now view this in a different lens. Because again, for me, when I'm initially evaluating these teams, before I heard anything from a B-Rider, I've already looked at the roster. I've already, I've already kind of made my, my determination on the talent of all these players. Um, I have the his, historical uh, uh, perspective of what they did last year. You know, I take a look at the new pieces and I kind of get a, a feel of what I think the team was trying to do in the offseason. And that's kind of how I make my values. But the, like the, you said, but like you said earlier, you still want to know who's running with the ones. Right, right. I, that's I said what, that. That's, that's where I, that's where I get I want that value. But again, so, but that but that's what I also said was actionable news. So so take that for for instance with the Jets for instance, okay? Yes. What we're seeing is just what they're showing us. But we're not seeing a lot of 12 personnel. So we, a lot of us kind of thought maybe this was going to look something like the Shanahan offense. I didn't think that. I didn't think well, that. okay, that's fine. But a lot of the fantasy community thought it was going to look like the Shanahan type offense. Okay, if you look at where, you know, where LaFleur came from, maybe we thought that maybe they were going to run a little bit 12 personnel. What we're seeing, we're not really getting a lot of 12 personnel. And really, you know, from the beat writers reports, no tight end is really... You know, getting See, a lot but, of targets, that, and, and that's and the point I'm of- trying to make. I can't look at I can't look at that and say, well, they're not running much twelve personnel, so most likely they won't run twelve personnel. You can't, you can't yeah, you can't season. you can't run with information, but I'm not going to just completely ignore it. So basically, having a little bit of information to me is better than just saying, okay, he said that they're they, you know the beat rep- reporter said they really haven't run, run mu- uh, much I twelve think personnel. It, I think it's, it's hard. Important. I think it's hard for us as laymen looking from a, a distant lens to really determine which teams some of this information is more valuable than others. I think we can make guesses. We can assume. We can take a look at what they've done in the past. But one team might be showing what, uh, certain, what they're doing in practice as far as what it's actually going to be like for them in the season. And another team can be showing a certain thing in practice and do something totally different in season. And I don't think we have the ability to determine which of those teams are being honest and which aren't. So, yeah. so again, for me – I only pay attention to actionable news because you can't put a bias there. It doesn't matter which way you view it. It is what it is. If a player signs with a team, he signed with that team. You know, it's not a thing where one B-rider can view it one way, another B-rider mm-hmm. can view it another way. The guy signed with the team. If a guy gets hurt, the guy got hurt. That's actionable news. If you tell me, oh, this player looked great today, I don't really, I don't really take much from that because another – writer can say, oh, but this other guy looked great today. Like, we were seeing um, a perfect example was the um, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater type oh, tweet. Oh, yeah. One, one guy you would hear say, Teddy won the day, or he had a great practice. Another guy, Drew Locke won the day. But, so so you're, you're taking one comment. What I, I, don't, I don't care about that comment in terms of who won the day. What I care about is, you know, Locke went, you know, four for, for 11, and he missed on this row. He missed on this row. He targeted such and such. And I'm not just taking that in a vacuum. 
I'm taking all of these pieces but, but, and making and, and making a best okay. educated guess. But look, does it move his ADP but wait, but five, wait. six players? So, no. So you but get it's still that important. But you get that practice information. You just said you get that he went four for eleven. He made this throw X, Y, and Z. What do you then take from that information? It's, it's different for every player. You, you, you're making it sound like, okay, you hear a beat report, so now i got to adjust my ADP. No, no, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. What it's do you take from that information? every player. I'll give you another example. And this is why it gives specific No, wait, wait, examples. no, no. Stay with the specific thing you just said. If you hear Drew Locke went four for whatever and he threw these certain type of passes or he looked a certain type of way, what exactly do you get from that information? I, it's not just that. It's a string of those informations. Okay. So if I got like... You know, they, they say they practice for six days and I got six reports that Drew Locke was, you know, you know, had a 40 percent completion percentage. OK, what do you take from that information? And, and, and Teddy Bridgewater had like an 80 percent. And what do you take from that information? So now what I'm what, I, what I'm assuming is that at this stage that Bridgewater is leading that battle. Is it going? Is it a final? No. Am I going to like be shifting ADPs quite a bit? No. Every draft is different. See, the problem with that for me is that to me is not telling us anything because at the end of the day the person I, that's going to win the battle is who the coach chooses yeah but if the okay again these are objective things if he's telling me that he went th this is basically this is an i can't be at every single camp i can't assume that i know everything based off of all the acquisitions right i need help from somewhere so i'm trying to get as much objective information but, as possible. but, but what i'm saying even is if it's a small piece even if it's a small piece and I can't change anybody's ADP even by one spot, I want that information. But, but what I'm saying is you, you were mentioning that he was going 40% completion rate or all these statistics. What can you really gather from them statistics? Because no matter what the statistics say or what they did in practice, at the end of the day, it's all going to be what the head coach or the office coordinator, whoever determines the depth chart, whatever they decide is the best player for the job. And they're going to decide that based on his play. So again, but, 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 it's, but we it's can't connecting say, dots. But we can't. First of all, we can't guarantee that they're going Nobody's to say. Nobody's guaranteeing anything. So, so again, if you take all these statistics, I can't take these statistics and surmise. Okay, well, th that means Nobody's this is going that. to happen. Nobody's so, doing so, that. So that's why I don't value it at all. It you, doesn't give me anything. It, it's fine to have a different philosophy. What I'm saying is, I'm not going to completely ignore it. To me, it helps out. Even if it doesn't move ADP, I'm taking. I want as many points as possible. Again, I want as many pieces to the puzzle so I can try and get a clear picture. Just. Here's another example. New York Giants, okay? They brought in Alfred Morris. The immediate assumption is that Alfred Morris is coming in because Saquon's not injured. But when I go through all the beat reports, I keep hearing about how Devin Booker has not really looked very good in camp. So am I changing anybody's ADP? No. See, but in the back of my mind, see, if something comes, let me finish. If something comes up, if, if we start a preseason game and the Giants decide to run out their first team offense, obviously they're not going to be playing Saquon. And instead of seeing Devontae Booker, I see Alfred Morris. I already had in my mind, I already knew that that was a potential. But and now I can do some. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's a piece. Does it mean that it, you know, every little bit of news changes? No, that's the, that's the important I, part I, I get of it. taking these pieces. I, I get what you're saying. But what I'm saying is if it's not actionable, I don't put value on it. It's really that simple. I can't say it's not binary. I, I can't. I can't it's say that the way that these beat writers are reporting how these guys practice is then going to give me the conclusion of who the guy, the coach is going to pick because that is a, sub a subjective decision made by a guy that we really don't know what's going on in his head. Can you? Can you? Can you make? Can you make the assumption that the quarterback or the uh, head coach is likely going to choose the best player for you know at whatever set position to be the starter? 
But statistics and, but can, and but can you make but, that conclusion? But, but statistics and bet is not synonymous. Okay. You're basically saying you're, say, I, you're, you're saying I need to take these statistics. And no, use I'm not that saying you need to do anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm focusing. I'm on not the, saying that. You want to be binary with it. But it's look, not binary. I'm focusing on the statistics because that's the example you gave me. You're telling me that if they're doing, if they're they're having a certain completion percentage or they're going uh, X for Y, whatever in, in in practice, that I need to take that information. I did and not then, say that. That's not so, what I said. I said if Drew Locke is throwing forty percent yes. completion, you're giving completion me a statistic. Percentage, yet for five practices in a row, it doesn't matter how many practices. It, it does, and, and and Teddy Bridgewater is throwing at seventy percent. So you and they me, say Teddy Bridgewater but you, looks good, but you're giving me and statistic. Drew Locke looks bad, and he's throwing a lot of interceptions. Then yes, I'm going to make an assumption that the quarter that that they're likely being accurate in their assessment. And that the quarter, or that the head coaches and the offensive coordinator are likely seeing the same thing, but you're still, and but, they're likely you, favoring Bridgewater you still, at this point. You still utilize statistics. I, I, that's the point. That's I just an made. example. That's an example. So of I don't. That I one. don't take statistics from what they did in practice and use that to now determine what I feel like is going to end up being a certain way. A coach, coaches have their ways of making these decisions. We Obviously. don't. Every every coach is different. We can't just say. Because are they not going to take into account? Are they not going to take it into account? Because you're, but, you're, but, but you're making the assumption there's that they're no, not going to take it into no account. There's no context whatsoever in what we're saying. All we're saying is they went 40% and another guy went 70%. There's no I, I mean, context I, I, in that. I, I laid it out. I said Drew Locke went 40% in, in, during practice over the, last, over the last five days. He has not looked good. He's throwing interceptions. Look, look let me finish. He's but, not looked good. But look good is a, a subjective Okay, comment. let me finish. Let me finish. This is one beat reporter saying this. And Teddy Bridgewater, conversely, has thrown for 70% has looked good. That's another subject another okay, subjective exactly. comment. It is subjective. It is subjective. So, but I don't so, take that. So so what's more likely? What's more likely that the head coaches are seeing that Drew Locke is playing bad or that the head coaches are saying and those statistics don't matter and Drew Locke is still even par with Bridgewater. What's more likely? If you were a betting man. It, literally, more likely has nothing to do okay. with any of this. Because okay. what, at the Probably end of the day... The viewers, this, you know, no, no, no. For no let, me, let, me finish home, what, let me finish what I'm saying. The, no. This is what the group No, let me finish what I'm like. saying. It, has no, it doesn't matter with what's most likely. Because it does. You're, you're in the medical it field. It does matter we what's most say, likely. We always say... It doesn't matter whether it's rare if it's in your chair. Just no, because, no. I do not say that. Just because... I do not say that. I don't chase zebras. I don't change can I, can I finish my comment? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Again, just because it's not likely doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It, it, you, can, you can say something happens nine out of ten times. That tenth time can still occur. The coach might still see it a certain way. So, again, I don't look at any of this statistics or what a beat writer is going to say they feel like a player did to make my determination what I think the outcome is going to be. All I look at is what actually happened actionable-wise. Not not talking about statistics, but actual what the team did, and that's how I kind of come to my determination. If you do it differently, that's fine. But if you're asking me whether I value practice reports, beat reports, these videos, these highlights, these statistics that people are throwing out there, no, no, I don't. I don't at all. So I mean, again, I was going to give the example of Trey Lance, and we everybody we, we mentioned that before. We're seeing all these Trey Lance statistics. We're seeing Garoppolo statistics. Trey Lance, according to the statistic, is doing great. All his teammates talking about how great he is, but the team is still saying Garoppolo is the quarterback. So, so again, we don't know what each coach is going to do. I'd rather just see what has been done and then make my determination from there. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I think the Trey Lance situation is completely different. I don't care about the highlights. The statistics that have been put out in that situation, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make any summary. The only reason I draft Trey Lance is because I see talent there, 
and I see someone who could potentially be a league winner. Right now, in terms of who starts, how many games he starts, I don't know. I've already said I'm on record of saying that if I, I, I am willing to draft Trey Lance. I was just using, I was using Trey. I wasn't specifically but what talking I'm saying, about Trey Lance. You brought up. You brought what, up. What I'm saying is that's a, a, an example of certain things happening in practice one way, and the coach's mind being a, and a that different part, way. And I'm, that I'm not disagreeing with. But getting back to your point where you said nine times out of ten. You, we don't know that 10th comic. I'm betting on the no, nine no, no, times no, no. out of 10. But you said what's I'll most. Bet, I'll no. bet on the most likely. And that's fine. You, you can bet on it. And that's, that, if that's the way you approach it, that's fine. For me, I don't, I don't say this is what I expect to be most likely. Yeah, and I'm going to take that information and then yeah. just run with it. Because me, I look at everything with face value. Like I, I always say, I don't care about being first. I care about being right. And if yeah. being right takes a little bit more time, then I'll be patient with it. You know, that's all I'm saying. I mean, we drafted now. You can't be that patient. You can be patient. You, can be patient. you don't. You don't have. You don't have to draft now. You can wait to draft till. You can actually draft after the first game of the season. So you can yeah, draft whenever you're ready. Yeah, but I'm talking about in ready. terms of ADP shift. It, the quicker you are on a player, or at least can anticipate their rise and get them at value, the better. But but for when but I was me, getting I was getting Tyler Lockett me, and no, I keep going of, back to this, getting Tyler Lockett in me, the sixth round. But again for me, nothing that I'm hearing right now is making me sway any of my ADPs whatsoever. So uh, the way I'm dra- I was drafting two weeks ago is the same way I would be drafting now. Uh, unless somebody gets hurt, then obviously you can't draft them. Or I've had some changes. I mean, I've had some changes. Or, yeah. or, or you know, it's a situation where somebody, like, I wasn't on Herndon, but I, I know a lot of people were on Herndon, but we're hearing Herndon is not getting the reps with the first team at all, and he's yeah. looked bad. You well, know, no, it's not, not, not with all. They've all not looked good. But that's okay, but, but again, that's, that's maybe something that would make me sway my ADP. Elijah but, Moore, but is, other, like, I've, I've swayed my uh, ADP on Elijah Moore. See, I'm, I haven't so, really swayed mine at all with, with so, all that. So, so I mean, I, you know, certain things have changed for me. Yeah, that, that's not the case for me. That's all. Yeah. I see why Matthew Berry blocked you now. Why did he block me? <laughs> I see why. Why? 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 He don't care. He don't, nine out of ten, I don't care. I don't care. Nah, nine nah. out of ten. I don't even. Anything. I don't even. I don't even be on Twitter like that. I don't. Even, I don't know what that was about. Because yeah. I don't even be on Twitter. Matthew, please. Why, why, did, why did you block my man? Nah, I mean, yeah. I'm blocking. I don't, I don't care. Man. You know, I'm, I'm blocking, blocking Matthew Berry. He, he, he said, yeah, yeah. "I got you." I'm blocking yeah. Matthew Berry. Block Matthew Berry. He's blocking Matthew Berry. He's had me blocked for I think a couple years now. Like I, I don't care. I'm blocking Matthew Berry. I don't care. I just said when you brought it up that I'm day, him. I was like, "Oh yeah, he, he, that he guy. Like, he has he, me blocked." Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. It doesn't matter. Some random person gonna send this to Matthew Berry. He's gonna be like. Who are these guys? <laughs> Who are these random jokers? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. I think that's it, man. Like we've gone through the show. Uh, this is episode ten, first and fifteen. We're oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Every episode. Uh, every, every episode. episode. So, so uh, late. First off, the Jalen Hurd update. He missed a couple days, Jones but he's work. back. He's getting some team team drill work. So I definitely like definitely like that. Um, For what redraft? Um, Jalen Hurd for Dynasty. Uh, everything. I, you know me. I kind of mix it all together. Okay. I, I just want to know who these guys are, um, okay. because he could be a waiver ad at some point. You know, um, I was gonna say our hometown guys, Nico Collins. Yeah, he's looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good. He's look, don't don't sleep on Nico. And, and it's really a lot of these young wide receivers and that were taking. Has his ADP change for you? Who Nico? Are you willing to draft? No, him? I, we I, I, draft I, was, I was taking him like in the 19th, 20th round, maybe 18th, earlier. Are, are you willing to take him more often? Because we're not taking no, no, him no, in no, every no, draft. No, no, no. Okay. Still the same way. None of these, none okay. these values change for me. None of these values change for me. Okay. Um, um, Jacob Harris is back. Um, so we definitely like that. Um, but again, I was going to mention, 
look at these these uh, rookie wide receivers that are going really late. Diami Brown, Terrence Marshall, Rondell Moore. Look at these guys, man. Those are the guys that end up returning a lot of value because receivers they can they can actually produce pretty well in the their their early years. So just kind of want to put that. Don't forget out there. about AJ AJ Green either. Okay. Can we end the pod? Go ahead. Yeah, do it. This is episode ten. <laughs> I said, God, give me a warning. Please take me for the morning. So I leave more disappointments than I ever will. Appointments give a fuck about.